Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the word of God. God bless you, wonderful people. Would you mind doing that one more time for the Lord? Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. I would like to draw your attention today to a very unusual passage of Scripture, I feel, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5. Here, Jesus had performed a miracle. And if you look at verse 16, it says in Luke 5, 16, and he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. And it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. It's very interesting to me that the power of the Lord was present to heal all those who came. In the next chapter, in verse 19 it says, and the whole multitude sought to touch him for there went virtue out of him and healed them all. Not one or two, but all were healed. And the crowd, if you look at the verses before the one I've just read, was quite varied. Then to repeat a verse from last night, in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 12, Jesus himself said, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence. And the violent take it by force. I want to be violent for Jesus. All that I am and all that I ever hope to be is because of a man called Jesus. Would you lift your hands, your voices, and your hearts, and would you just let your voice out and pray once again? I feel the afterglow of last night's presence and power of God. Let your voice out and talk with him from the deep of your innermost person. Lord Jesus today, Thank you for the miracles of healing that we have been eyewitness to in the last two services. Thank you, God, for your presence here again this afternoon. Thank you for deliverances. Thank you for the encouragement. Thank you for revelation, understanding, for the gifts of the Spirit that have become imparted to your people, for fresh anointing upon the ministry that was here and is here today. For the offices of the fivefold ministry that have become illumined in the hearts and minds of people and now bind us together in one mind and one accord. Anoint us both to hear and to speak. Let us feel the brush of angels' wings. Help us to feel the touch of the Master's hand. Help us to see. And above all, let there be a violence. Take hold of us today against the forces of darkness. We will not fail to give you praise, glory, and honor. We ask these things in the all-powerful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And everyone said, Amen. The Lord bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for standing so long. <clears throat> I'm going to have you clap again and shout with your voice. But before you do, 
I want to preface it with these statements. I was not born in this. I was not raised in this. I didn't find this until I was 23 years old, or it found me. It was a time in my life when I was a tap dancer. I wanted to be a dancer in the theater. And if you watch my movements at all, you can tell I know something about something because I don't have wasted movements. Mm. When I, I have seen the greatest performances in this world because the theater was my favorite form of entertainment before I came into the church. I went once or twice a week most of the time to watch concerts, whatever was going on. I was involved. I have watched thousands of people in great dramas, great opera presentations, whatever, acting, come and take round after round of applause for a song or a performance or words that they oratorically executed and presented. When I came into this, I thought to myself one day, the greatest single performance that this world would ever be privileged to behold was the crucifixion. There's never been a performance like that. There's never been anything like it that a man would have such love. A God would be possessed, if you please, of such love and compassion for his master creation that he would lay down his own life to redeem them from the errors of their way. There was no one to applaud at Calvary. There were no standing ovations there. And when I came into this, I made up my mind that no matter where I preached, I don't remember people clapping all the time like they do now. It may well be that I am the culprit behind it. And if I am, I am delighted with myself because it's the greatest, best thing I think I've ever done. I used to ask crowds, let's stand and give him a standing ovation. And they would do it because people, you'll never clap enough, you'll never shout enough, you'll never run enough, you'll never preach enough, you'll never sing enough, you'll never do anything enough to thank him for even one drop of blood. He deserves a standing ovation, and as far as I'm concerned, we ought to do it every time we come into the house of God. So would you clap your hands with all of your might, and would you let your voice out in praise, in exaltation, in worship, and praise this God who has done so much for us. Hallelujah! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless you, you may be seated. It is magnificent what I feel in this place right now. 
Medical science has discovered, published, stated that there are 39 major killing diseases in the world. You'll notice if you read the account of the crucifixion of Jesus that they were allowed to lash him 40 times but he received 40 stripes save one that means he received 39 lashes from the scourging the law of Judaism was that if they ever applied the 40th lash they were never allowed to beat the victim again but by not ever applying the 40th lash they could go back and beat as often as they wanted most prisoners most criminals most of those that were lashed did not survive the scourging because it ripped the flesh off of the back and they bled to death in a very short time it's interesting for me to speculate to think to give meditation upon the fact that there were 39 stripes placed on his back and now we are told that there are 39 major killing diseases in the world and it is written in the scriptures prophetically speaking of the messianic ship of this Jesus Christ that by his stripes we are healed that is an exciting anointed revelation and understanding I've given a lot of thought to this in the last year it is extremely noteworthy to understand that Jesus healed anyone everyone anywhere any place any time and you did not have to be a member in good standing in the temple to be healed by Jesus he healed sinners publicans Romans anyone that reached out to him I've done some study I've gone through and taken some time to re-notice that once people saw the miracles that he performed they wanted to hear what he had to say it was not until they saw the miracles that the crowds really began to come they had heard the law taught they had studied the Torah they knew basic of the laws of Moses when Jesus began they had heard words similar though they did stop and realize never man spake as this man who is he from whence doth he get this power never man spake as this man but that was not the thing that really got his ministry in motion the thing that pushed it catapulted it into motion was the miracles that he performed the priest in the temple could explain away his theology they could explain away they could make their own statements they could give their own commentaries on the various theological aspects of what he taught and preached but they could not compete with his miracles of power and healing the boys in the temple couldn't even get a decent street meeting outside the temple on the corner nobody came to hear him but this Jesus they took ship they climbed mountains they went on donkeys they came on litters they tore up roofs they did all everything they crawled to get to him because they could not compete with him and they hated him for it in other words I've come this afternoon to say this to you as startling as it may be we're not gonna win this world with our doctrine 
You're not going to win your neighborhoods with this doctrine. There are religions that have got far more religion than we've got. You're going to win them with your miracle. You'll never win them with your arguments, but you'll win them with the demonstration of the Spirit of God in power because we have no competition as true apostolic. It is written, I reiterate, these signs shall follow them that believe. You don't have to have a collar turned around backwards to be used by God. If you've been to water in Jesus' name, if you've spoken with tongues when the Holy Ghost comes, if you understand... your neighbor a little bit harder today and say, then why don't you act like it? All of the time. Oh, clap your hands again, all ye people, and shout. If you got a voice left, I barely do. But I feel like shouting. I feel like dancing. I feel like worshiping the Lord because he is great and he is mighty. I don't know how many of you know Mark Sterren. He is our present missionary to Lebanon. Mark Sterren is my convert. I met him when he was about 17 or 18 years old. In the early 1970s, I pastored a church on Webster Street in Schenectady, New York. I taught the teenage class. I've given much of my life to young people because of the future of everything. And I knew that if I could get them filled with the Holy Ghost and get them through puberty, that they would have an incredible possibility to do something for God. Billy Graham made a statement when I was very young. I went to hear him at 19 years of age. I sat with 60,000 people on the shores of Lake Michigan and McCormick Place, heard a 2,000 voice choir sing How Great Thou Art with George Beverly Shea leading the solo part. Billy Graham said, if every young person would channel their sexual energy into a work for God, what a dynamic personality they would become. I never heard anything like it before or after. But I went home from that crusade. I knelt down in my own living room, and I said, God, as far as I know, I'm just a normal, red-blooded American boy, but whatever this energy is, I give it to you, and I want you to channel it into whatever power you can use it for. kids pastoring today. They're on foreign soil today. They're doing all kinds of things. And I've got a talent for latching on to people that no one else has any hope for. I just sink my teeth in like a bulldog and hold on for the ride. But I'll win in the end because I know him. And if God has spoken to me about you, it's only a matter of time. You can fight and kick all you want, but God will get you in the end because if he's genuinely called you, you'll never be happy until you answer the call. You can try everything and anything, but nothing will ever work for you until you answer his call. Why would you ever stoop to be a king when you could be a preacher? It's the highest calling in all of the world. Think of it, young person, that God himself, the creator of the universe, the master of creation, would call you to be an ambassador for him, a spokesman on his behalf. Incredible. Incredible. There's someone here that wants to cry out to God. I can feel it in the spirit. There are young people right now. Your heart is pounding. So let's all join them for a moment and give them that privilege and that expression. Lift your hands. If God is speaking to you, let your voice out here in worship, praise, 
And maybe in yielding to his touch, to his call. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. I worship you because you are God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. One Sunday morning, I walked into that Sunday school class of those teenagers. Here was a Lebanese boy sitting in the basement on a folding chair. One leg was all wrapped in bandages and like a big cast. And the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, if you go lay hands on him, I'll give him the Holy Ghost. So, I walked to my little pulpit, laid down my teaching material, and I said, is there anyone here like to stand and just testify for Jesus? And my kids were on fire for God, because all they knew was what I taught them. They were just like me. Two of them shot to their feet, and they gave a wonderful testimony for Jesus. And I glanced at this boy, and he was very intrigued. And I started singing a little chorus, and my kids knew how to work with me, and they sang with me. And I just slowly walked down the aisle toward him, and I walked right in to him slowly, so not to frighten him, and kept eye contact with him. And I reached my hands toward him and laid my hands on his chest. When I did, Mark Sterren fell forward in my hands, sobbing, speaking with tongues. He had never seen anyone get the Holy Ghost, had never had it. God filled him with the Holy Ghost just like that. That night, he came dancing down the aisle of my church without the cast, without the wrappings. He had been miraculously healed. Miraculously healed when God gave him the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now he's a missionary in Lebanon. I spent some time with him earlier this summer. He was back in our area. He said, Brother Stone King, I'm only doing what you taught me. He said, I'm only doing what I saw demonstrated. He has got, he speaks Arabic. They write it, him and his wife. I've known his wife since she was a little girl. They're doing an incredible work over there. They're actually winning the Muslims. Muslims drive two and three hours one way, bringing sick parents and grandparents for him to lay hands on them to be healed and they're all healed and he is known as a healer among the Arabs and they're coming and receiving the Holy Ghost not because of the religion not because of the doctrine but because of the miracles and the Roman Catholic Church in control of that area calls him the one that goes about doing good and they fear him not because of his theology or the differences in theology but because he's got a power that causes the lame to walk he has gone to hospitals and prayed for the dead and they've come out of the hospital alive that's the kind of Jesus that we're talking about. That's the kind of Jesus that I read about in the book. Do you read the same book I read? Do you read the same Bible I'm reading? It is written. 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 Nothing shall be impossible to them that believe. These signs shall follow them that believe. He said, you'll do what I do. You'll do greater things, greater things, greater things. Hallelujah! Oh! Oh! God is miraculously using him. When I first came into this, in the early 1970s, there was a report that came out of Australia. Our missionaries had never been able to reach the Aboriginal Australians. They could never reach them. They tried. They just never came, never got involved. But among the aboriginals, there was an aged man, and they, through endearment to him, they all referred to him as Pappy, like a grandfather figure. Pappy died. They stretched him out on a mat. This article was in the Herald, way back then, the 70s. And I read it. They stretched him out on a mat, 
in that hot desert climate and they sent for the missionary and he came this man had been dead in that heat for three days lying on the ground no embalming bombing of any kind and that missionary got down on his knees and stretched himself out on his face on the sand and began to pray for that old man and he prayed and wept and prayed all of a sudden that old man's hands began to move and he opened his eyes and he sat up and stood up raised from the dead In my lifetime, the Aboriginal people began to come, and today we've got large numbers of them filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name. And I've been there and helped pray some of them through. It was not the doctrine that got them. It was not the music that got them. It was not our expertise in putting sermonizing together. That is not what got them. It was not the argument. It was not the offensive or the defensive. It was the working of miracles. It was the demonstration of the Spirit of God and power. That is the thing that convince them. It's the only thing that's going to convince this world. You want to win the Buddhists, you'll never win them with religion. You want to win Muslims, you'll never win Muslims with religion. They've got more than we've got. But they don't have the demonstration of the Spirit of God and power because Muhammad is dead and Allah doesn't exist. But Jesus is alive and He exists. Yes! And when we begin to act like it, it's going to cause this city to shake. It's going to cause this city to shake. It will cause this world to shake. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Brother T.W. Barnes, he's been like a father to me. He is like a father to me. He's a mentor to me. I talk to him almost every week, sometimes quite lengthy. But years ago, and we've been friends for about 40 years now, years ago, I was in his office, and he stood as only he can do and pointed a finger at me. He calls me boy. I'm 65 years old. He still calls me boy. He said, boy, if you don't have signs and wonders following your ministry, you're not preaching the gospel. That has haunted me and haunted me. He said, if you don't have signs and wonders following your ministry, you are not preaching the gospel. It still haunts me. It still haunts me. And since I've been through what I've been through, I've got an urgency in me to get you involved with it. I'm not really interested anymore in preaching traditional Pentecostal sermonizing and trying to pull something new out of the hat you've never heard before or burn up alive in front of you to get you going. I'm not interested in all that anymore. I am interested in helping you to understand who you are. What you got a hold of in the Holy Ghost and what you could be doing with it. Because if I can get you to understand what it is you have as a believer, who you are as a believer, you won't need me. Oh, I'll come, but you don't really need me, and you don't have to wait till next year till I come back again. You can have it all year long because you've got what I've got. You've got the same Holy Ghost I've got. You've got the same name I've got. You've got the same power I've got, and I'm nobody special. It's just that I know Jesus, and he knows me. But then you know Jesus, and he knows you. You know Jesus. He knows you. You ought to be shouting and running the aisles and jumping up and down with a revelation like you've never had before that I'm a believer. I've got the power. There's no devil in hell nor combination of devils that can fight against me. There is no power like this power. There never has been. There never will be again. There is nothing that can compete. There is nothing that can compete with this. Hallelujah. Oh. We're living. People, we're living at the end 
I mean, nobody knows exactly when Jesus is coming, so don't go out and say that Brother Stone King said, well, he's coming in 15 years. But I seriously doubt we've got 15 years left. If we know anything about the Bible at all and Bible prophecy, people, everything is in place. The players are in place. The stage is set. Everything is going on and has happened. The, the gospel has been preached to every nation in the world somewhere since... 33 AD. We're not waiting for all of that. Everything has been fulfilled. Jesus is waiting. I believe with all my heart. He's just waiting to see what this church is going to do. Because if the church will become the church it's supposed to become and be the church it is, he can put everything on hold because he controls all of it. He's not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. If we will suddenly get involved like we've never been involved before, there is no telling what will happen. And it's beginning to happen. God is beginning to do it. I believe with all of my heart that you will be in that new building next year at this time and that you're headed for the greatest move of God you people have ever seen. You are headed for one of the greatest moves of God. You know why? Because the news has gotten out. The news has gotten out that there are unusual things happening over here among you people. And they've come in here and they're going out and saying they're everything we heard they were. They do everything we've heard they do. They're just as crazy as we've heard. But there's something about them that I've never felt any place else. There were people here last night that said, I've never felt power like this. I've never felt power like this. You know why? Because we've got that kind of power. And his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Not only do we talk about him, but we know who he is. We know who he is. He's not some second person in a Godhead. He is the Godhead. He is the Godhead. Body, mind, and soul. He is the invisible, made visible. He is omnipotence and deity fused with human frailty. His name is Jesus. Here, O Israel, the Lord, our God, is one God, one God, one God. His name is Jesus. to shout. You've got a right to shout. You've got a right to cry out. You've got a right to dance. You've got a right to worship God. Hallelujah. There's no greater revelation. There's no greater revelation. There's no greater understanding than to know who Jesus is, to know who he is. Hallelujah. <clears throat> startling facts. I'm in connection with a banker who has some very unusual inside information. He and I were talking about prophecy just about a month ago. And he keeps informing me about things that are going on. These are startling facts. When I tell you the players are all in place and the stage is set, it's true. Do you know who the highest paid CEO is in this country? By CEO, I mean chief executive officer of any large corporation, big business concerns. Who would you think would be the highest paid CEO in this entire country? It is the CEO of Goodwill. He earns 15 to 16 million dollars per year. A second-hand store. That is where the market is. Second-hand market because it's cheaper. September 11 changed us forever. People are no longer to spend to take the risk. There's something that's not like it used to be. We've lost our security. We know that things are not this secure. People are not laying back like they used to and just letting everything go by. People are beginning to reach out into whatever they're involved with. They're reaching out. They're trying to find security. The Bible says in the last days, men's hearts will be failing them for fear, for looking upon the things that are coming upon the earth. Levi how many men here don't know what Levi's are? We've all worn them, still do. 
They were invented by a man whose name is Levi Strauss. He was a Jew. Levi meant he is a Levi or a Levite. That was the original concept of those genes. Levi is going under. They're selling off everything this year. Dockers is a branch of Levi Strauss. Dockers has been sold off because it is a profitable line. Bath and Body Works, they are connected to Levi Strauss and that business chain and concern. But they're being sold also. Delta Airlines, according to Business Newsweek, is going under because they have to pay interest to investors before they can pay their employees and they owe over 100 million dollars. I was talking to someone who has worked with United Airlines for many, many years. I have a million miles with United, so I get a lot of perks and special favors because they know who I am. And one of them was telling me, they said, Reverend, Delta Airlines is going under. They're laying off everybody. They said they waited too long to file bankruptcy. They're not going to make it. And this person said to me, we filed ours early, and we should be out of bankruptcy in February of next year. And she looked at me and she said, in the end result, there'll be very few airlines left. She said, I just hope that we are one of them. Virgin Records is closing all their stores this year. Hollywood Video is closing down because they already have a 24% loss this year. Japan has the premier largest bank in the world. Banks are all merging, if you're not aware of that. They're all being bought out. Wells Fargo out in California no longer stands alone. It's just a sister company under Norwest, which is comprised of 53 companies altogether. Bell Telephone used to be the telephone company, and then it was fractured into many other sister, daughter, whatever you want to call them, subsidiaries. But now, all of those bells are going back into one major company. Everything is becoming one. It's going toward the one world order. And it's happening in my lifetime, right now. While we come to church or don't come to church, while we're really on fire for God or we're not on fire for God, the time clock is just clicking away just like that. These things are happening right here while we're in this service today. It's just taking place. And the whole earth is shaking beneath the pressure of his coming. And the judgments of God are beginning to fall. This tsunami actually caused the earth to be moved out of its orbit, and Isaiah prophesied that. Scientists are now saying what we've been preaching for years. The earth has a voice and is crying out beneath the pressure of his second coming, but the world is not hearing. They have no idea. Even the most prominent leading statisticians in this hour who have nothing better to do than sit in penthouse offices in New York City, San Francisco, LA, all the major cities of the world. You know what they're saying? They're saying this thing cannot go on as it is going. Something cataclysmic, something catastrophic is about to happen. They call it a catastrophe. They call it some kind of a big explosion. We call it the rapture. They say something is about to happen. If you've got the Holy Ghost and he's alive inside of you, you can cry out today here, something is about to happen. There's a trumpet about to be blown. There's a shout. There's the voice of the archangel. It's not a catastrophe. It's not a cataclysmic event. It's going to be something to see how they try to explain all of that away when there are thousands, millions of us missing. I heard one news reporter say, I want to be on hand to report the Pentecostal rapture. I don't want to be here to report it. I want to be in it. I don't want to be here to tell the story. I want to be a part of it. You don't want to go? I'll wave at you on my way out. But when he comes, 
I'm going to go out of here with the sound of the trumpet. <clears throat> Hallelujah. The Bible says, heaven suffers the violence of our prayers and the violent take it by force. I want to reiterate, I want to repeat my personal sentiment. I want to be violent in these last days. Anybody want to join me? I want to be violent for this Jesus. Governments, and I close with this. Governments can get away with a lot of things, and they do. Governments of nations, they get away with a lot of things. There is horrific corruption in governments in this world. Debauchery, unmentionable things that are done because they have the power to do it. They control by ruthlessness, dictatorial activities. The world is full of it in this hour. Governments can get away with all that they do. But if hunger plagues the people, if starvation begins to grip the populace, and starvation spreads through the villages, the hamlets, the cities, the towns, the countryside, there's no food. If hunger plagues the people, the government is in trouble because a hungry man is dangerous. Someone who is starving will steal. They will commit all kinds of crimes to get their hands on food. They will kill. They'll murder if they're hungry enough to get their hands on food. And truly hungry people don't have table manners. A starving man doesn't care which side of the plate the knife and fork is on. And if there's no knife and fork, he doesn't care. He'll eat with his hands and shove it down. And to the starving and the hungry, bread and water is a banquet. Hungry people are dangerous. Starvation is dangerous to any government, no matter how much money they have or how powerful they are. I've preached all that I have preached the last two nights and here today to say one thing. I know because I've traveled the world, I've traveled all over this country, something is beginning to happen among us that I haven't seen in 42 years that I've had the Holy Ghost. There is a spiritual hunger rising among us like I have never seen in all the years I've been in this. Preachers are beginning to get a hold of things that they've never had a hold of before because they are hungry. There is a fear beginning to grip us and we understand we've got to have more than just a little rick up here and a few announcements. We've got to have of God in power. People have got to have a touch of God. They've got to be delivered. They've got to have help from the battles they've been fighting. They've got to be healed. When the doctor sends you home and says, get your house in order, you've only got about two months to live. You need a Savior. You need a God who can defy the prognosis and the diagnosis. I'm here to tell you he's alive. He's alive. He's alive. He's the dear and glorious physician. He's a healer. He's a deliverer. He can do anything. He can defy the prognosis and the diagnosis. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Oh, I have met some preachers. I've met preachers that don't care what their friends think anymore. They've even told me that. They said, Brother Stonking, I've worried too much about some things. They say, I want to get a hold of this. I had a preacher grab me not long ago. He said, I want what you've got a hold of. I said, you really want it? He said, yes. I said, well, here it comes. And I laid hands on him. And he fell backwards speaking with tongues. Beautiful suit. 
highly polished shoes. But when you get hungry, it doesn't matter. You lose your manners. You don't care if there's a tablecloth or not. You're just looking for food. You can dump it on the table. Don't even have to have a plate. But if it's there, if it will satisfy, you're going to get into it. Because hungry people don't care as long as they can get a hold of something. They've got to have a hold of it. And I have been working. I have been working to transmit to people who they really are as believers, what they have a hold of, the power that's inside of them. There are several preachers that have come to me just this year and they've grabbed me and said, Brother Stonking, since we had that conference, since I was there, miracles have broken out in our church. People that were dying with cancer have been totally healed. The doctor can't find any trace of cancer in them at all. There is nothing there. There is nothing there. They said, Brother Stonking, legs have grown. Blind eyes are beginning to open. Not in charismatic churches, but in our churches. It's beginning to happen now among us because there's a hunger among us like there has never ever been before. Oh, you should be excited about that. You should be excited about that. You've got a pastor like that. He wants you to have it. He wants you to get into it. He wants this entire district. He wants revival in every church in this district. He wants every preacher in this state to have a hold of what we're talking about here. He's willing to take the flack. He's willing to take the lack of understanding. He doesn't care about himself. He just wants it to happen in this district, in this state. If you want it in in this state would you throw your hands your voice in the air and would you cry out to God that it is coming down upon us as a people hallelujah 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 Jesus hallelujah Jesus hallelujah Jesus God grant it to every pastor in this district, to every church in this district. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I pray in the name of Jesus. Let there be miracles, signs, and wonders break out in our churches. In Jesus' name, I pray again today for every student from Gateway Bible College that is here, that the power of God will get a hold of every girl, every boy, that they will go back with boldness, that the Holy Ghost will erupt in that school until the classes have to be shut down, until the demonstration of the Spirit of God and power begins to erupt and they take it back to the states where they have come from. Granted, Jesus, I pray, by the authority of the Word of God, by the power of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I pray in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. <clears throat> Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. You may be seated. I don't know how you feel here today, but I am sick of the devil. I am sick of the devil. I am sick of the devil. I am sick of the nonsense. I am sick of his kingdom. I am sick of him intimidating our people. I am sick of him trying to put diseases upon us. I am sick of the whole, the whole system. And so I preached all of this to say one thing. There is a spiritual hunger rising among us as apostolic people. And that hunger is intensifying day by day, day by day. Which means one thing. We as apostolic Pentecostals are becoming more dangerous than we've ever been in all of our existence. And I'm saying here, I'm announcing to the devil and his kingdom today, your kingdom is in trouble, Satan, because there's a hunger for the supernatural. There's a hunger for for the spiritual move of God. There's a hunger and the violent will take it by force. We're going to pray down your kingdom. We're going to pray down your kingdom. We will storm the gates of hell. We will storm the gates of hell because it is written, it is written, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Shout his name. Shout his name! I would like
like everyone to stand to their feet. I would like everyone here to stand to your feet. Something is about to happen. We're going to do something here today. I believe I can feel a loosening in the spirit world. I can feel something shaking in the spirit world because it is written, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Say greater. What is the name of that greater? Shout it one more time. I believe with all of my heart in just a moment, uh, if we will all stand to our feet. Uh, don't do it until I tell you. But I know that when the Hebrew children shouted in the Old Testament, I've looked at all the examples. Uh, when they shouted because God required it, uh, the walls came down. The enemy was discomfited. The battles were won. The victory was complete. Uh, I believe today as an apostolic Pentecostal people, if we will lift our hands, uh, I'm going to count to three. But when I get to three, I want you to throw your hands in there and shout the word hallelujah and when you do I believe that something will continue to break that started the very first night of this conference I want you to shout with all of your might and do exactly what you feel to do in the name of Jesus Christ one two three Can you feel something breaking? Can you feel something breaking? Something is coming down. Something is coming down. The walls are coming down. Angels are being released. Angels are being released. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. I challenge you to get out of your seat. I challenge you to get out of your seat. Some of you need to come running. Just come running today. But keep your voice. Keep the shout. Keep the shout of victory. Because there is a victory. There is is a victory yes in the name of Jesus yes in the name of Jesus that's it that's it you've got it you've got it power 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 upon you power upon you in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus People, it's happening. Some of you are in a realm you've never been in before. Some of you have entered into a realm you've never been in before. In the name of Jesus, rejoice in it. Rejoice in it. I set you free. I set you free. I set you free. In the name of Jesus. 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 I set you free in the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening to this message. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at The Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details.